Uh, what's the post roll? Uh, no post roll. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, did you see the latest email? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right, hanging up now. Bye. the Mundangerous Side Quest in New York City. I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 172 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about playing one-shots with the PCs in your current campaign. But first the rogue traders pour one out for a, let's call him a co-worker, in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign. And later, the wedlock is an ordained minister in three states in the character creation forge. So Shane, you just got uh, basically off the plane before we, we are recording. It sure feels that way. <laughs> From Ohio? Dayton, Ohio for Acaticon, uh, the uh, gaming convention hosted by the RPG Academy podcast. What's this, three years running? Well, nine years running? Three out of four years running. Uh, oh, right. There was that fateful mis- <laughs> plane ride, which uh, multiple people took, took care to uh, remind me of uh, on my way. Like, hey, can't wait to see you if you make your flight. Well, you know, it was nice that you basically had six connections to get to Ohio. Yeah. Uh, I flew to Dayton, Ohio from New York City via Atlanta because my travel agent doesn't own a globe. Yeah. Based out of Italy. Oh, you know, America. It's America. Yeah. <laughs> things are things are close enough. Uh, so who'd you hang out with? What'd you do? Hung out with a lot of people, um, met some listeners for the first time. That was great. Spotted a TPT shirt in the wild. Wait, what? Really? Mm-hmm. They exist? They exist. Oh, my God. I thought people and threw them away. Not just owned by our family members. <laughs> Wait, was it a dark blue one? Uh, purple. Wow, that means it was bought. It Holy was, crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, whomever you are. <laughs> um, our $2 commission thanks you. Yeah. <laughs> Spent a lot of time hanging out with uh, with James and Rudy from Don't Split the Podcast Network, uh, as well as DM Neil from the DMs Block and Whelmed. What's up, guys? Um, and we ran... So this is interesting. So James, Rudy, and I ran their three-table D&D epic adventure in which you uh, have to take down a monstrous behemoth monster that will eat the entire world. Um by crawling inside of it and destroying its organs from within. This was the same three-in-one shot that I played in a Gen Con, I think, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at table B, which is the table you ran this time. Correct. Interesting. Yeah, so there are three tables in the game, and over the course of this four-hour adventure, you sometimes have to pack up your stuff and switch tables. Depending on which part of the anatomy of the great beast you're being flushed to. Correct. Uh, <laughs> and at one point, um, there's actually, I don't know if you got to that in your adventure, but there's actually a DM switch too. Um, so I had to pick up my things and move over to another group to then proceed with where we were in our part of the adventure. Oh, that's interesting. We didn't get that. We did get to a point where uh, just randomly, because it's randomly determined, our table ended up with, I think, nine people. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's that's fun. And... I did manage to kill somebody. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, so the heart is protected by an adult red dragon, which oh, is... Oh, yes. I CR remember 17. this. Yeah, it's, it's real <laughs> dumb. Uh, 
but they asked for a short rest and i was like well i feel like you know you guys kind of had to do this as fast as possible i don't think you can really take an hour to wait around to like heal back up before you go in there like i feel like you kind of just got to press on and then the next thing i do is i roll dragon breath and accidentally killed tom cantwell <laughs> the pcs are level six right? seven seven okay <laughs> Oh, they leveled it up from when I played. Yeah, so 66 damage <laughs> straight I, to the face of, of the warlock. We we ended up, I remember our group kill ended up killing the dragon, but again, we had like eight PCs at this point, and it was just sort of like a round robin of healing words. Oh, okay. To, it, to, it, was, like, it was very much like timing the healing words to make sure that the person was up so that they could attack, knowing that they would drop again right. the next time the dragon went. <laughs> They went straight for the heart. They were the last organ, so they knew if they could kill the heart, they could win. Well, you know, it was a worthy sacrifice. It was. Was the world saved? Uh, the world was saved, oh, yeah. that's lovely. And more importantly, Tom was super happy that he got to haunt the uh, haunt the players during that encounter after he died. Oh, that's excellent. So, All right, so Shane, speaking of uh, sacrifices in vain... Where are we in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign? So the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader game played using Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules by Fantasy Flight Games. And after the tragic events uh, that befell the crew on the Dead World Malajact, you are now uh, free of the Inquisition's yoke with the promise of a colony world of your own, or, you know, half yours, um, to stake your claim. And you are now free in the warp on your way. And you've you've got some business to take care of. Yeah, I mean, first we had to shake the Chaos Space Marines uh, who showed up. But fortunately, what? Was it three or four quick hops through the warp? <laughs> yeah. Via Flare, our <laughs> astropath. And we were like, I think we lost them. Yeah, we're good. We might have left them behind by like a week. Like literally a week. Yeah, we, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Flare doesn't know. But yes, we are down one man. Okay, okay, we're down like 300 men, but only one of them is actually important. Our arch-militant Draco. Yes. Who took an Inferno pistol to the face. He did. Entirely of his own volition. Mm -hmm. This is our first real death. It is. Because, you know, everyone else like... The, the armsmen are not real people. Right. And as far as your characters, usually fate conspires to keep them alive. Mm -hmm. And in this particular instance, Jim, the player, decided that... This was a good death for Draco. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a, a good death for Draco, but like it was a good death for Jim. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, what do we need to do when one of our own has fallen? You need to gather all of the men on deck mm -hmm. and provide a proper naval burial, including a few words from his, uh, his co-arch militant. Ah, uh, yes. I actually wrote a eulogy. Read it, uh, read it right at the table, and I thought it was very touching. Would you Would you like to read that for us? I will. I'll share it with our listeners. Could you do it in character? <laughs> Trank is just well. Okay, he's swilling a bit, uh, some amasek because you know why does he need to be sober right now? <laughs> right. <laughs> and he walks up to the the coffin draped with uh, the heraldry of House Whatever We Are. Arm, Lionheart. Arm, yeah, yeah, that one, Lionheart. Um, which, uh, you know, I'm wholly devoted to in love uh, above all others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Draco was too, because, you know, he's dead and he died died for Lionheart. But look, look, men. I have a few things to say. Oh, great God Emperor of mankind, we commit into your golden light, our fallen comrade, uh, 
Hold on, let me check my notes. Earlvin? Wait, Draco's name was Earlvin? It was Earlvin. Earlvin Draco? Earlvin Draco. All right. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? He was my oldest friend, obviously. Uh, at, at this, Trank gives Flair, the astropath, a pointed look because they have known each other since childhood. <laughs> <laughs> In the Navy, Draco developed a reputation among the crew for being a generous and giving soul. Well, less giving and more selling. He was the provider of drugs to the <laughs> former addict Trank. Mm -hmm. In battle, there was no more stalwart companion. Even in the midst of the fray, he kept a cool head, which, of course, makes the manner of his death all the more ironic. Uh, or is it ironic? I, I can never remember like what exactly irony is. Mm, in any case, we can at least take solace in the fact that he died just as he lived, believing that he was more charming than he actually was. Armsman, pour out a little anisek for your arch militant. Amen. And then we shot him into the sun. Mm-hmm. You shot him into a nearby sun. Burn bright. Burn bright, dear Draco. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week, we are talking about running one-shot games using your long-term PCs. That's a mouthful. Yeah, so what does that mean? So it's when you play a single standalone session... Um, but you're using the PCs that you're normally playing in your regular campaign, you know, like, oh, we've been playing these characters for, you know, months or even years, uh, but we're going to do sort of like a little, little side thing over here, uh, self-contained story. This can be run by one of the players. Actually, that happens kind of a lot, actually, but it also might just be the regular GM of the game. And, you know, it could connect to the main story of the campaign, but it totally doesn't have to. Yeah, this is the thing that happens a lot on actual plays as well oh interesting really yeah um ah. especially the bigger ones that do like live shows do they bring in uh guest jams sometimes or like they'll do guest arcs or uh, i think in the case of like you know live shows it's just completely secondary because they're more performing for that audience mm -hmm. than they are for the long-term story oh that's interesting i could see like maybe an audience wants a break from sort of like the regular storyline mm -hmm. you know and now for something completely different right yeah I think probably a lot of people have experienced this with holiday games, not necessarily calling it this, but you know, now we're going to go save Santa Claus. Like our regular characters are going to go do that. Right. We're in the Forgotten Realms and there's no Santa Claus, but whatever. Yeah. What's the difference? <laughs> we're going to save him from the Martians. Father Winter. <laughs> uh, we've done it a few times. So if you haven't tried it, I would consider it because there are some interesting reasons that you might want to do it. I mean, first off, it gives your regular GM a break. Like, all of you forever GMs out there, it's an opportunity for you to be like, hey, uh, does someone want to run a wacky uh, one-shot? We don't even need to build new characters. You can just play this, and hey, you'll get loot and experience. We talked a bit about this uh, in episode 71 about burnout. It's also a chance to let the GM actually play a little bit, you know? Maybe they can actually build a character. Maybe they play that NPC that all of you like slash hate. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is also a good option when your regular GM can't make it to the game. Um, that way you don't have to create a new campaign or like uh, an alternate game or learn a new system or make new characters. You can mostly play your own regular characters, except, you know, you have a new GM who is going to give you kind of a side story. Yeah, I like like when I'm a player in a game, I like to have a one shot in my back pocket just, you know, that I could pull out in case like last minute the GM has to bail. 
It's also a useful delaying tactic if you've got a player who can't make it for an important session. Like, you know, I think sometimes uh, when you're coming to the end of an arc, you want everyone there for the final battle, right? Like not everybody can make it every single session, but like for this one, we're going to make sure it's on a day when like everyone's actually free. But if something comes up at the last minute, you don't want to not play. I mean, it could be a month before you actually do this again. You don't want to like reschedule everything. So, you know, you can run a one shot. Yep, it's also good for keeping your table fiction in the same place. You don't have to worry about losing plot threads for the next game or um, getting lost in the recaps of secondary campaigns and stuff like that. Yeah, this like with us, you know, we rotate every I don't know four to six months, like the game and the GM that we're actually playing. So like, there's always an opportunity for someone to be like, oh, I could run one session of like another game that we're playing, like. Shane could run a session of Rogue Trader if Angelo can't make it to Dark Sun. But then like we spend the first 20 minutes being like, okay, where were we? Yeah, what were we doing here? I have no what's, idea. What's going on? How do I advance this plot? I don't listen to the show, so I don't know where we are. <laughs> right. Uh, and it's an opportunity to take a break from the tone of your current game. Um, it could be that you are still playing in the, the same sort of timeline and the same, um, you're still following the same quest or plot line. But it can be like a filler episode of a TV show where, you know, like now we're doing an investigation or like this is the disco session. Which actually I, I just made that up and I think we're going to do that at some point. Is this the one where we go water skiing and jump a shark? <laughs> Not in Dark Sun, no. But Well, yeah, because it's a Happy Days reference. <laughs> this show jumped the shark long ago. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about planning your one-shot. Hey, first thing, um, is this going to be canon? Like, how much can you screw stuff up? Because often you want to screw stuff up a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes what happens is you play the game, and then afterward you decide if it was actually canon. Yeah, did that really happen? <laughs> like, if you accidentally TPK your players, maybe uh, it was just an alternate possibility that could have happened to those characters. Good thing we avoided that. Right, the beginning of the next session... Doodly do, doodly do, doodly do. Right. Man, yeah, I had the craziest dream. <laughs> exactly. It was so weird. Uh, but it could also be that the, you know, the GM shows back up, um, having handed over the reins for one session, asks what happened, and then goes, yeah, yeah, that works, sure. I'm down. So it's helpful if you define some parameters for this adventure up front. If it's a bottle episode, you might put physical or temporal constraints on what the players can do or how long they can do it or where they need to go. Yeah, like think of it like a, a TV show. You know, the whole point of this or one of the main points of this is to sort of rein in the amount of work that it takes to actually run this particular session. So like, you know, try not to introduce a bunch of new stuff. Um, don't let the party go teleporting all around the, the planet or do a bunch of extra planar travel. Like, that's complicated. Well, you know what you want to do? You basically want to, like, investigate a house or, uh, you know, find something lost in a town. Like, minimize the number of locations that they can travel to or that they'd be interested in traveling to in order to, like, actually deal with the whatever situation you put in front of them. Mm -hmm. um, and then this kind of goes along with that, but in order to minimize that, Make sure you only have one plot thread and a very obvious goal and, and not a whole lot of gray area because it'll help keep the players focused on what needs to be resolved in that one shot. We had a one shot episode, didn't we? Like an episode on one shots, mm -hmm. didn't we? I forget what number that was. I don't know. You can look it up as a search function on the website. Yep. But, you know, we talked about like 
great, you're here for four hours. Um, and the last hour is the ending. So like, just start off with, here's what you're going to do. Right. Players, just be like, yeah, that sounds good. We're here, we're here to do that. Pick up those reins. Um, this is a really good time to railroad the party. Uh, or just to, you know, be in a, in a situation where you've got an NPC who's the quest giver, who's just like, here is your mission. Should you choose to... No, no, forget that. You are accepting it. Here's your mission. Yeah, just start in Medius race. <laughs> right. In Media race. Like, you accepted this mission. <laughs> right. You can complain about it all you want. Why did we accept that mission? Yeah, that exactly. was ridiculous. <laughs> but there's already a breaching charge on the door, and you are going through that door. <laughs> right. You know, I said this was a bad idea, and I don't know what came over me. <laughs> So there are a lot of um, cool scenarios that you can run if you're deciding to do a one-shot. The first and probably easiest one, although maybe not the most creative one, is to adapt a published one-shot and just stick it in your regular campaign. Yeah, this is usually pretty easy to do because most one-shots give you a pretty clear outline of what should happen <laughs> like at the beginning, middle, and end of that adventure. So you should know where it will fit in and, and roughly where they're going to land. Yeah, and I think almost all of them, or at least most good ones, you know, at the beginning are like, okay, how did the party get here? You know, um, here's six different hooks that may have gotten them here in the first place. And, you know, you just file the names off and make it that so that one of the quest givers was someone that they, you know, actually know in the game. And then, you know, on the tail end of it, usually an adventure will say, okay, where do you go from here? What happens next? How do you take some of the things that they learned here or some of the plot hooks here and sort of sprinkle them throughout your campaign? You can do that or you can not do it, whatever. It works really well uh, to sort of take a uh, third party or published one shot and just plop it right into the middle of your current campaign or, you know, a published campaign that you're running. Um, if the party is leaving their normal location, and I really like this when, you know, the story is, is basically the, the party is trying to get away from it all, you know, like, okay, we've been pursuing this quest. Uh, but for some reason, like we've got to take a little time off. We need some downtime or something. And rather than, you know, hand waving it and saying, okay, there was some downtime. What did you do? You can play the one shot in there. You know, if maybe they're going on vacation. I love the beach episode. Yeah. I mean, that's where Zach Morris falls in love. Right. Although eventually doesn't he marry Kelly. So really it was more of a fling. And she was a Scientologist. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, or... If your party is like our party, um, they may have gotten into trouble in town by stealing something or blowing something up or killing somebody or extorting somebody. Or So you're saying they might have to lay low. They might. They might <laughs> have to. <laughs> might have to duck some heat. <laughs> and, you know, when they leave town, uh, it's always possible. Actually, it's very likely they'll run into more trouble because that's just who they are. Yeah. Um, this is also another way to add some new NPCs or add new contacts or resources to your main game, right? Like a couple NPCs that become important in this one shot could carry over into your main thread. So if you don't want to run a published adventure, you can, of course, build your own. And the most obvious, most common way to spin something out into a one shot is to make it a side quest. There are uh, always side quests that you have presented or honestly, that the party has sort of um, thought of on their own that they want to pursue that are just not part of the like main plot. So this is a chance to explore something that intrigued them, but there just wasn't time for before this. And these fall into, you know, a couple different options. Uh, there's the backstory side quests. You know, we're always buying stuff from this one shopkeeper, but he's just, he's just such a jerk all the time. Mm -hmm. He's very surly. 
you know, if you're doing this properly, you're, you're characterizing uh, your shopkeeper in some way, and maybe you have chosen Surly. It is my favorite and doesn't require much role playing on my part. Um, you can also do things like you know, interesting details that the party picks up on that they might be curious about that they don't really get a chance to explore in their main game. Um, this is a good time to go ahead and create that backstory. So why does the innkeeper have those weapons displayed behind the bar? Where did she get them? What do they mean? Right. Maybe the new NPC they run into like happens to be like the, you know, kid sister of that surly shopkeeper and like understands that like she's actually got a got a heart of gold but is grumpy for very important reasons uh yes that is an exclamation point over my head yeah. <laughs> uh what is it in um in Waterdeep? uh Durnin at the yawning portal is like the barkeeper but his backstory is like he's like a 18th level fighter or something like that oh fun yeah yeah you're always like oh why isn't uh the entire city overrun with horrible things coming from Undermountain. Mm, there's an 18th level fighter <laughs> yeah, standing yeah, yeah. over the hole. <laughs> um, you can also use side quests as a means of exposition or world building. So if your players have some curiosity about like who are the Order of the Knight's Chalice and why are they important, um, you can use a side quest to kind of fill in those blanks. Yeah, do you remember in Morning Glory when uh, you guys went to Karnath because you were like, ah, Karnath, this is the place we're supposed to go. Yeah, that was a total side quest. It That you basically created out of whole cloth on your own. I don't and, believe you. And you, you got uh, into a fight with the blood of Vol. Uh-huh. Uh, you were about to kick open the, the doors to, I think, a, a temple. Uh-huh. And eventually, eventually you, like, step back. But if there had been a one-shot afterward, I think figuring out who the blood of Vol were and, like, why they were so surly would have been interesting. Okay. But then, I mean, you might have gotten sidetracked by trying to murder them all. Right. (laughs) I mean, for good cause. For good cause. Uh, In Forgotten Realms, um, maybe maybe later in your campaign, you know that it's going to be important for your party to know, like, what Netheril was, like the ancient uh, magiocracy. Uh, Like, maybe artifacts from that are going to come into play, or, like, you know, the Netherese are going to show up time-displaced or whatever. Um, this is an opportunity for you to sort of explain a lot of that lore to your party without needing to do an exposition dump. Like they, you know, get caught up in something that ends up uh, revealing more information. There's like, you know, um, an old artifact or like an archaeological uh, item that's uh, been stolen um, or that they are stealing or whatever. This is also a really good time to do a little more of like a personal quest or fulfill like a revenge arc or a personal vendetta. Um especially if you've got you know limited attendance or you know only a couple players like you can really drill down and focus on one character's backstory uh you know with the buy-in of the other players yeah it does work really well like you know maybe you're playing a one-shot because like two people are missing and like the part of the story that you're in right now was dealing with a a lot of their like you know character story or, or backstory and you know you don't want to move forward without them uh, it, it is sort of nice to be like, all right, like two people in the party might be like, I don't really care what we go do right now. And one person's like, I must avenge my master. And I've been waiting because there are four other people in this party who don't need to avenge my master. But right now it's me and it's you. Let's do this. It happened in our 4E game. I didn't actually get to play it out. I wanted to go. I wanted to go <laughs> kill a fire giant. Oh, okay. <laughs> that we just like happened to meet one time. No, actually, I think we saw him out of the like corner of our um like a corner of our eyes while we were like infiltrating a volcano and i was like i want to kill that guy 
<laughs> okay, so it was like a, a really well-intentioned vendetta then. Well-reasoned. Hey, he was uh, he was enslaving some dwarves. Okay. Although they might have been ghost dwarves. I don't remember. Um, this is also a uh, good opportunity to do like fetch quests. And I, I especially like this in games that have like bennies or story points or things like that that you can spend to get narrative control. Like, um, you know, in like a Star Wars game, right? Like you just flip a flip a light side point and you're like okay cool so i have this whatever object right that i forgot that i had in my bag well that was a pretty pivotal moment that you found that object i sure would love to know how you came into possession of it oh yeah campfire stories yeah exactly. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. like let's go play that game for a hot second <laughs> do you remember the time no none of us do actually tell us One-shots also work really well, sort of plopped in place of the traditional random encounter. Uh, Maybe the party is on the way to their destination, they're on the road, and they come across a town, a town that is, you know, they've never heard of and they don't know anyone here. Great. There's an all-new cast with all-new problems, and once they actually solve these problems and mosey on down the road, they can forget about this, and none of it has to matter if you don't want it to matter. Right. We just did some good, maybe some evil, I don't know had a, a wild fling and a romance and I guess I'll just never see that person again. This can be a good way to replace sort of the the old-fashioned wandering monster or wandering mm-hmm. damage trope, right? You can take a session, uh, fill it with random battles, or you can take a session and add some story and investigation around those battles to make it a little more fun for everybody. Right, like the structure of it can still be the same. It can still be like, all right, you're going to have three combats and like that's our session. But those combats could be because you stumbled upon a thieves guild, or because um, it was a what a an arena combat uh, gambling den, and you got thrown in. And okay, so now the combat with like the displacer beasts happens in an arena, and you win some money. Mm-hmm. This is also a good chance to throw in some more gimmicky genres into your um, otherwise you know serious campaign. So things like a murder mystery or a heist episode make a lot of sense as a one shot. Yeah, this is your opportunity to break those uh, normal genre conventions. You're playing high fantasy, okay. Maybe, just for this session, uh, you're playing Archer Vice. You know, uh, we, we're making some deals. We're, uh, you know, driving down the trade road in a, in a high-speed caravan. It's built for speed. Hey, hey bud. <laughs> I hate to break this to you, but Archer's only ever going to have one-shots from now on. <laughs> I know. Archer dead. <laughs> Look, we met some drow. They have these uh, smoky lenses to cover their eyes, and now we all have them. <laughs> these are great. Why don't we all wear these? I don't understand. <laughs> They're always like mirrored, like a like a mountain in the background. Huh. We got um, hand crossbows, uh, each of us, and um, I think uh, I think we're gonna go help some people. Um, This can be a fun opportunity to hand out some extra loot that they otherwise might not have regular access to. Um, You know, if you if you've ever wanted to see an apparatus of Qualish in your game um, in a in sort of a side quest one shot, that's a great chance to let players play with that, but not have to deal with that implication throughout the rest of your campaign. Right. Your mad scientist M is like, I built this, uh, I I guess for you. Sure. Why don't why don't you try this? Uh, Test it for me. Will you? And, of course, the party can't keep it because, you know, Emma's going to take it back when this is all over. I like the Mirror Universe one-shot where we've all just decided, you know what? We're going to play a session uh, with all our alignments reversed. 
if you know it's a chance for everyone to play evil or you know play good depending on who your party is normally uh you know traversing an eerily similar world uh, everything's kind of the same maybe even like the storyline's kind of the same you're just you're in the same world uh the same kinds of things are happening it's just that you're the bad guys now uh you've always been the bad guys right i like this if you can like somehow engineer it so that you end up at the exact same place as your real selves and like the end of this adventure is you merging into them you I know it's I like the dark possibility i like the merging how about this um yes you you encounter uh mirror versions of yourselves and they're all goody two shoes or something i don't know they're trying to like save the world and that's a little weird so we'll plan out how to how to take them down and you make all your preparations, and just as about you're, you're about to attack, session ends. Next session, you're back to your normal selves again. Oh yeah, <laughs> but still kind of jerks. <laughs> you know, yeah, the taste of the dark side. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but now you've got to deal with the um, obviously overpowered um, assault that you yourself planned against yourself. Oh well, that yeah. <laughs> and you know what? It's fine if you use the the, the meta game information that like you know what the plan is. I'm sure that the party went overboard in like screwing themselves over, not knowing that they were going to screw themselves over. Right. I've I've never done that to a party. Definitely didn't do it to the rogue traders. No, you definitely didn't do it four times. <laughs> um, an alternative is to do more of like an Elseworld. Um, this would be just sort of a non-canon alternate possible history of the game where you're playing um, just alternate versions of your characters either you know some key event in their their backstory never happened and that shaped them differently or they're just a different class or different you know um set of skills or whatever it is yeah this is the family guy star wars episode <laughs> right you know? uh, okay yeah the uh the fighters are droid now you know and the barbarian is a wookie and okay let's go for the drow is a, is a scoundrel we're, yeah we're, we'll do it okay we were on a ship, now we're on a spaceship. So I think the main deterrent to using these kind of one-shots more often is the risk of consequences, right? And and a lot of times I don't think people are exactly sure how to handle the various potential consequences from a one-shot um, in their like broader campaign. Yeah, you get into this situation where it's hard to know if like how to deal with harsh consequences, like what if a character dies? And then sometimes you lean toward the other direction in having only the lightest of consequences where there is no danger whatsoever because like everyone knows we have to get out of this because right? Right. it's not the real game. Yep. Um, which is kind of like a filler episode of a TV show. You know, like <laughs> no one is going to die. This isn't the season finale. Right. <laughs> it's the Christmas special, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Maybe that's a trope that gets inverted. Maybe you can die there. Just up front, you want to make the danger level known to the players so that they can make decisions accordingly. Like if this is supposed to be a happy, fun, swashbuckling fest, and like now we're playing Princess Bride for one session, which sounds awesome. Um, you know, I'm going to assume that I probably can't die like by falling off the cliffs of despair. Like I'm supposed to get up it, right? <laughs> but if this is actually a gritty version of Princess Bride, then maybe you get eaten by the RUSs, and it's good to know that ahead of time. It's charming. <laughs> Screeching eels, I don't have a giant to protect me. That would have been a much better ending to that. <laughs> so you can turn into very slapstick if the PCs don't have any fear of death 
um, and they don't kind of agree with the tone. So there are some alternatives if you don't want PCs to die permanently, but do still want to have like a consequence. Yeah, maybe like you just lose an arm and the shield attached to it. <laughs> yeah, that's one. <laughs> um, you can make the entire like session illusory or, um, you know, a dream or, uh, you know, a flashback, something like that. Yeah, but since it still feels real to the character, you can still then later play out, um, you know, the consequences of those decisions, right? Because everyone's sort of looking at each other um, and being like, oh, okay, well, you thought it was real. I thought it was real. Uh, and that, that's what you did in that situation. That's uh, that's heavy. Yeah. Um, when we had this come up in the um, Dynasty and Warranty campaign, which we, we haven't gotten quite to that point in the recap, but... Um, when we had this kind of session, I set out pretty clear rules um, for what the players could and could not do. And, you know, they were pretty confident that they couldn't die in the session. Uh, but then they broke the rules. And so bad things happened in the session. I cannot die. I am invincible. Like two rules. You can't die and you can't use psychic abilities. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Angela just forgot. He didn't forget. <laughs> he was like, is this worth he it? He knew what he was doing. <laughs> he said it was a worthwhile risk. <laughs> All right. One of the other issues that you run into when you're running a one shot is what do you do with NPCs? And I think there are kind of several ways to go here. Uh, the first is that you don't introduce anyone new that you're going to have to reference later. Just keep it to the same cast of people they already know, whether these are, whether they're uh, fulfilling the same role that they normally do in the story, you know, like the fence is still the fence and the shopkeeper is still the shopkeeper uh, or whatever, um, or if they have, you know, slightly different versions of themselves and you're playing kind of an, an alternate reality version of it, at least you don't need to remember how it was different, you know, or remember like a new name or whoever you made up. Yeah. The alternative is just have pretty much everyone be new and then just ignore them afterwards like or they just get referenced in passing or they become some kind of tertiary or quaternary bit characters yeah this is the uh anime filler episode uh trope where we uh we fight so hard to save this village and they become lifelong friends and then we never ever hear from them again on this show ever ever <laughs> right um one nice thing to do is to actually introduce at least one new NPC to keep because if all the consequences are very fleeting, it can sometimes feel like there was no point in playing the session. Um, so if there's like one NPC who comes out as a, as a rival or an ally or a resource um, or just a, you know, an extra touch point, like that can really bring it home and make it worth the time. Yeah. That can be nice. If the party is headed toward a new location, it could be someone from the new location and boom, now you have fulfilled that whole, Hey, we need to infiltrate our way into the underworld. Right. And then of course, you've got to think about uh, what kind of rewards are the players and the characters getting from this one shot. Now keep in mind the main GM, whether that's, you know, the GM who's also running this one shot, uh, and is also running the, the main campaign or, um, you know, they've sort of uh, given over the reins to uh, one of the players. The person who's running the main campaign gets the final say on what ends up being canon, uh, what kind of loot you get to keep from the adventure, like how much XP anyone is getting, if they're even getting any XP. Yeah, so speaking of XP, um, since it is kind of a one-shot and, and isn't necessarily like core to your uh, campaign, you don't necessarily need to award XP to the players. Though... You know, 
a, a lot of groups would expect like, yeah, we, we sat here for four hours. I should get my XP. Yeah, I don't really see a reason not to. I mean, like be a reasonable human being. Like don't be uh, the the like GM for one night and say like, I'm going to throw three red dragons at you and then pull all the punches and then have the party win and be like, great, we all leveled. <laughs> Sucker. Yeah, like that's <laughs> how you never get invited to be GM again. <laughs> You screwed up once. They never asked you to do it again. Um, another thing is like your adventure rewards. Um, if there are rewards that should be carried over into your main campaign, like it's probably best to let that GM um, divvy them up and and sort them out so that they stay in line with what they're expecting. Yeah, like if the final battle is you know to feed a dragon and there's a horde, great. You don't even need to worry about what's in the horde. Um, the main GM rolls up next time and is like, yeah, okay, I'll handle this. I'll let you know. Illusory horde. Suckers. All right, so a couple caveats to remember. Um, if you're running someone else's game, tread lightly. It's not your game, you know? Try not to introduce too many things that your uh, main GM is going to need to retcon. Um, make sure there aren't too many things that they're going to need to fix. Yeah, and then also keep in mind, right, like actions should be potentially retconnable or forgotten or ignored or incorporated into the main events like you you leave it up to the the main gm to figure out exactly what the impact on their campaign is of this one shot yeah it's kind of like um you know you are editing the one shots of place into this story that already exists um you're, you're like creating a scene in in a film and it should be placed in a way so that it can be removed again if required and the film is still intact. Okay. <laughs> I think you can have plenty of references to other parts of the campaign, but uh, they shouldn't be foundational or structural. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, it, the campaign in the future doesn't shouldn't depend on what's happening in this one shot. Right. They should they should be enrichment, not core. Yeah, exactly. This is Legends material. All right. Do you hear that, Ishan? That is the sound of me rewriting KOTOR because none of it exists anymore. Well, then it's time to move on to the Character Creation Forge. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sends Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. Hey, you. Yeah. You, listening to the podcast. I bet you like tabletop role-playing games. That's probably why you're listening to a podcast on the Don't Split the Podcast Network. Well, did you know there's a show on this network called Tabletop Babble, where I, James Intricasso, talk to many industry greats and awesome people who play role-playing games about role-playing games. It is great. It's like any conversation you would have at your local friendly game store. I've talked to people like Mike Merles, one of the lead designers of 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, Wolfgang Bauer of Cobalt Press, Ruth Tillman, who's done a lot of awesome game design work with Pelgrane Press, and so many others. You can check it out over at don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com. So this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building the Wedlock which is a fun name. Yeah, what is a wedlock? 
you know, it's a warlock who um, has like, the ritual spell. No, wait, not ritual. Yeah, it's ceremony. Uh, ceremony. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a warlock with ceremony. Lovely. <laughs> it's uh, just we did more ranger than ranger. This is more cleric than cleric. Okay. Warlock, no cleric, acts like a cleric. Probably does it better than a cleric. I'm just, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that does it better than a cleric. So what you're telling me is that you've taken all of the angelic themed character uh, character classes and mushed them together. Not all of them. That was the goody two shoes. Okay. <laughs> this is just two of them. All right. So what's the build? It is celestial pact of the tome warlock fourteen, divine soul sorcerer six. So we start with warlock. That'll get you seventh level spells and three spell slots per rest. You get. Sacred Flame and Light, plus three cantrips from any class. Um, the obvious picks here are things like Guidance or Resistance. Ceremony. Uh, not a cantrip. Really? First level spell. People have to spend actual resources first, on that. First level ritual. It's r- ridiculous. Uh, Word of Radiance, I think, works really well. So I think it's a cleric-only cantrip. Although, keep in mind here that you're going to have the opportunity to pick up more cleric cantrips later. So, like, your tome spells, you can get from anywhere right so i don't know maybe you want like a charisma shillelagh because mm-hmm. you can use a staff or press a digitation mage hand like there are uh, El- yeah i mean you already have elders Bless, but there are a ton of really good cantrips in the game your expanded spell list will include things like cure wounds uh lesser and greater restoration revivify and flame strike yeah i brought people back from the dead and now I strike you down with flames. <laughs> uh, keep in mind that because you've got cure wounds and you are a warlock, that is short rest healing, right? Every hour, uh, two cure wounds, three cure wounds, we're good. Um, did we go another hour and we didn't have a combat? More cure wounds. Plus you get that pool of healing dice. You'll also get six invocations. So you'll want to take a book of ancient secrets, probably whispers of the grave and the staple agonizing blast. You'll get rituals up to 7th level, which, hint, is all of them, uh, including things like ceremony, so that you can, you know, pronounce the wed. Uh-huh. Uh, or, you know, those coming-of-age rituals. Uh, gentle repose, commune, fine familiar is also nice. You'll end up with resistance to radiant damage and extra damage with fire and radiant. And on short rests, you're going to give temp HP to yourself and allies because you're just that inspiring. You know, you're giving a sermon is what you're doing every short rest because you are insufferable. And then fittingly, you can also just come back from death. <laughs> What's more clericky than that? That's uh, level 14. Uh, contingency raised it. That's uh, difficult. We should make that at some point. Right. <laughs> but then you're just back with one hit point. Exactly. <laughs> All right, from sorcerer, you get third level spells and you get that nice little sorcery point slash spell slot engine uh, with your uh, warlock spell slots and your sorcery points. You know how that goes. Don't abuse it. Now, a divine soul sorcerer can uh, choose cleric spells instead of sorcerer spells. So there are plenty of options. Take a look at Spare the Dying. Bless is amazing. Spirit Guardians is amazing. Mass Healing Word. Calm Emotions is very thematic. Shield of Faith. Uh, for meta magic, you will, of course, take Quicken because that is one of the best meta magics in the game. Plus, you've got Eldritch Blast, and why would you not Quicken it? Right. Uh, and then you can also use your reroll ability to reroll healing dice. So, for leveling order, I think I'd just start off Warlock 5. 
Yeah, in order to get third level spells. And then from there, you can knock out all your sorcerer and then go back to warlock. You get that nice capstone of, I cannot be killed once per day. <laughs> Lovely. Shane, who is your wedlock? Uh, my wedlock is just a boy who has a touch of the divine in his bloodline uh, as a sorcerer and who seeks out his own celestial ancestor and then makes a pact with him. Oh, I like it. Mm-hmm. Hmm, maybe they're an Asamar? Yeah, or... Asamar? Uh, Asamar or a, like, a, a Solar, maybe? Oh, the ancestor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all yeah, right. something like that. Like, I, I like that idea. Um, and so, like, you know, it all kind of comes natural to them. But, like, he chose this, you know? Like, he really wanted to find out, like, put family first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solar have that ability where they can tell. Uh, if you're lying. Yeah. Maybe he just finds a Solar and is like, you're my dad. And they're like, mm, nope, nope, I'm not the father. Yes, you are my <laughs> Nope. Next one. Nope. You're my uh, yeah. <laughs> You're my dad. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're solars, right? They they only do the I'm happy that I'm the dad dance, right? <laughs> I don't think they have the I'm happy I'm not the dad dance. Right. <laughs> uh how about you? Who is your wedlock? My wedlock um, is akin to the savage sage. Maybe actually is in the same tribe as the savage savage sage in that um, they are part of a very remote uh, community. Um, they live out in the woods, uh, very primitive, and they do not know the gods. There, uh, there's no religion here. Imagine, there's no religion here in this in this community. Instead, what they have is uh, people with magical talent who uh, reach out to find more powerful beings uh, who can bestow them with abilities. And so instead of a cleric, instead of temples, you have warlocks, warlocks who perform ceremonies, the uh, great rituals that are necessary to hold communities together, weddings and coming of age and funerals. Um, they, uh, they are the ones who heal. They are the ones who bring people back from the dead. It is, in fact, the warlocks. They have a lot of responsibility here. Um, and sometimes, you know, it, it's required that you, you need to go on a walkabout to learn more, to be more powerful or to defend the village. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, to defend someone's honor, probably sometimes you're uh, in that position where you've got to conduct an Eldritch Blast wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> there it is. I, I, I knew it was coming at some point. <laughs> Artfully done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, good sir. All right. Before we wrap up, we want to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out our rewards on at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. You can also leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And this week we have an iTunes review from Bones51972. Ishan, would you like to read it? Yes, this is so much great stuff. Five stars. I recently found out about your podcast and have been binging it ever since. 36 episodes in the last three weeks so far. I'm very sorry. I love the multi-topic format and the great rapport you have. As a DM who recently came back to the game, I appreciate all the wonderful insight and advice for my game. Keep up the great work. Thank you. That was a really nice one. It was really nice. 
So what do we have planned for next week's episode? Well, we did say we're here every single week. And next week, uh, at least here in the United States, it is Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And don't worry, if you don't like your family, we are still here for you. Uh We are having a Thanksgiving mailbag special. And in the character creation forge. We're building Friar Tuck. You know he's English, right? Uh, yeah, but you know, I'm sure he loves a turkey. You know, he's one of the hated British, right? <laughs> he's also a bear. <laughs> well, an English bear. <laughs> All right, that's it for episode 172 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. 